we are back. The Buffalo Bread Podcast rides again. Dan, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a minute. I think that we this happens every every year we've done the podcast now. Thir- three years running, uh, where we get to this point in the season, or we get to the point in the season just around and just after the Super Bowl, and we sort of have a, a football hangover for a minute. And then uh, we snap back together before the draft, and here we are. Um, yes, that's that is, is the that, that is the way. This this is the earliest we have snapped snapped back from it as well. Yeah. Um. Last year, I think we. I mean, well, last year was so devastating, or two years ago now yeah. with thirteen seconds, so devastating. We actually took, I think, from like January until August off. <laughs> so, like we needed a long one after that. At least now it's April. Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even care about the draft. We just sort of like lived in our own squalor and filth. Um, but here we are. I mean, we and that that's a lot to say. I think that everybody would agree that thirteen seconds was far more heartbreaking than just getting thoroughly manhandled by the Cincinnati Bengals in your own stadium in a snowstorm. Uh, and so everybody, uh, everybody started mourning that loss in the second quarter. Uh, th- this one, uh, this one, you know, we recovered faster because as Bills fans often do, we have a, a incredible tolerance for sadness and letdown. <laughs> um, and we're, we got to flex so them. Sad. We got to flex that muscle a little bit again this year, unfortunately. And, so we uh, we did some you know wrap ups with some of our AFC East friends and, and we'll look to uh, to do some more with them in the near future on a mock draft special. But uh, but here we are. Let's get started. Where where are the bills now? What is what has been a change or development that you want to talk about first? Well, I mean we're we're now through the bulk of free agency, so I think we should get to some of the additions and subtractions on the Bills roster. But I think where you've got to start is a place where a lot of Bills fans, JJ, us included, kind of left last season. And that was with coaching staff. Now, there were some in Bills Mafia that were calling for Leslie Frazier to get fired. We weren't necessarily calling for him to get fired. But we had pointed out after his last five postseason games as a defensive coordinator, that defense giving up an average of over 31 points a game in, in those five games. Um, three of which were losses. Uh, we thought there needed to be a philosophical change on this Buffalo Bills coaching staff, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it seemed just like the scheme had gotten tired. It had been gotten predictable. It, it was ineffective in a lot of ways. We asked the question, like, what was this Bills defense good at throughout the course of the year? And all we could come up with was, consistency against lower achieving teams or average offenses so as a result of all of that we really felt like this buffalo bills defensive coaching staff needed to get back to the drawing board and come up with some unique ways to use the personnel they had on staff so the bills are going to have an opportunity to do that jj but it's going to be without Leslie Frazier, as a lot of Bills fans by this point already know in April. Leslie Frazier is no longer the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. He is taking a one-year hiatus, says he wants to come back to coaching generally um, in the 2024 season. Not necessarily saying it's going to be with the Buffalo Bills, which we can get into that in a minute if we want to. But uh, it has been confirmed at this point that Sean McDermott will be calling plays. And for Buffalo Bills fans who might have short memories... McDermott did actually take over play calling in the 2020 COVID season for a bet when the Bills defense was struggling. Um, And McDermott 
really made his hay as a defensive coordinator. That's what ultimately landed him this job in Buffalo, is that he had that great run with Carolina, including a Super Bowl run as D.C., uh, proved himself to be a very adept defensive play caller and worked his way up into the head coaching ranks. So, J.J., I think that's a logical place to start because it, there's, a, there's a simmering excitement for what people think McDermott might do with some of this personnel and what he, do with, he might do with this scheme. A lot of folks are looking back to that 2016 season in the Carolina, looking for breadcrumbs of what of what McDermott might do here with some of the personnel. I think there's a I think there's a reason for optimism with him taking over play calling duties. But what are your thoughts, JJ, on the Frazier transition and McDermott ultimately being our our head coach slash DC this year? Well, I think we we've talked about it a number of times throughout throughout the the years we've been doing this that. Leslie Frazier has an excellent regular season defense. He has an excellent, the defense is the defense is something I've said a billion times. Um, His scheme and the way he coaches his players and the way he calls specific plays in specific situations is incredibly, um, it's, it's incredibly, you know, safe. It's meant to minimize big plays. It's meant to reduce, you know, big time, big time scoring, you know, scoring plays over the top touchdowns and those sorts of things. And really, you know, teams really have to work hard to make things happen. And that has resulted in the Bills being a top 10 and oftentimes top 5 scoring defense and yards, you know, um, given up defense in the league since his tenure with the Buffalo Bills. However, in big moments against top competition, he has fallen short. Because top competition can't be controlled in the same way that regular Joes and backup quarterbacks can. Um, where the scheme alone, you know, makes it so that a team has to pre- present perfection on offense to make points, to to kind of propagate the ball down the field. When you face a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, yeah, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, even in some regards when you face the Dolphins with Tua, and they can hit a perfect play or beat you with individual matchups because they have elite players and elite, you know, um, burners on offense, that's when Les- Leslie Frazier has struggled, and he's so risk-averse that there's never going to be a huge game-changing play in the favor of the defense because he's not, you know, dialing anything like that up. He's too afraid, or plays plays too afraid to to uh, make that call, um, and I don't think that you're going to see that with Sean McDermott, which means I think Bills fans need to prepare for a reality where we might see the Buffalo Bills get dunked on over the top a few times. We might see some some additional big plays broken in the run game um, because people are out of position because he'll be trying to play the edges and leverage, you know, um, over-the-top pressure and, and exotic blitz packages a little bit more than we've seen in the past. And I, so I, I really, I think it's probably the kind of year, if I'm going to just grab my crystal ball and prognosticate here, this is the kind of year where, the Buffalo Bills defense drops to like 13th or 14th in the rankings in terms of yards and points, but maybe has way more sacks and way more interceptions um, than uh, Frazier defense has produced in the past few years. Yeah, I would be a, f- I would be comfortable with that trade-off because those sacks and interceptions, we've seen it with Steve Spagnola defense for years. That dude now is what he's been ringed four times. Yeah. And he's, ne- I don't think, I, I saw a stat the other day that was mind-boggling to me. He's never had a top top 10 defense. Like, he's never coached a top 10 ranked defense. That's, that's 
I don't it, believe that. That's crazy. It, I, I, I don't believe. I, no, I don't believe that that is necessarily true either. I saw it on a PFF feed. Okay. So That's it might have been right. via there, right? Um, yeah. But that dude has been ringed four times, and he's given up points in a lot of those Super Bowls. He's given up points in a lot of playoff games. Like everyone points to the great scheming, is rightfully so. They should when he shut down the New England Patriots yep. twice with that that vaunted pass rush and for the New York Giants. But like this is not a dude who has put up i think defensive schemes that have produced the consistency that frazier has i would also argue that maybe outside of his time with the giants spagnola has necessarily not had the the elite pieces and draft capital and assets that frazier had in buffalo to build those things which you know is a topic for another time as well um so what but ultimately what i'm getting at is you can win with those types of defenses in the nfl Mm -hmm. like very few teams have both good offenses and good defenses rolling with them at the same time there are usually teams that that there needs to be a trade-off because the the where you have to invest your draft capital where you have to invest your salary cap where you've got to make all of these key personnel decisions and in those moments scheme can really help you not just throughout the course of the season being consistent but really in some of those bigger moments where this buffalo bills defense has failed we just came off of a super bowl um, which was an epic Super Bowl game, by the way. We didn't get a chance to necessarily break it down because it was heartbreaking for us. Right, right. But it, w- it was an epic Super Bowl game where, I mean, both teams literally just picked their poison. And what they were te- doing on defense, both Philly and Kansas City, is just playing to have the ball last. Make sure that you have the ball last with your elite QB with the ball in his hands at the end of the game because they knew it was going to be close. KC played a bunch of base defense in that game. They sold out to stop the run. But you saw, as you mentioned, what could happen with the Bills. They gave up a ton of plays over the top. But they came together at the key moments, big moments in the game, with some pretty exotic stuff to shut down the Eagles and make sure that Patrick Mahomes had the ball at the right time. I will take that this season with the Buffalo Bills. Right? I will take making sure that if it's going to be a close game, that Josh has the ball in his hands at the end of the game every time as long as this bills defense starts to get some of those bigger stops that they have lacked the ability to get in the postseason over these past few seasons i am good with whatever mcdermott is going to scheme up i'm good with going from third in defensive efficiency down to 13th if that means we're going to play big in big moments which we haven't yeah no absolutely and that's that's really what i'm looking at and i'm, I'm sort of hopeful for um you know, I'll accept the Bills losing two games by more than two scores because they get, you know, the top gets taken off the defense because they're they have a safety blitz blitz dialed up. Okay. I'm okay with those couple of losses if in the playoffs, you know, Matt Milano is put in a position where he can get a strap, you know, a sack strap strip fumble and we recover it for a touchdown, right? Like something big that's not currently there because we're playing. Uh, too high shell with all of the passing lanes underneath cluttered and there's no pressure because our front four are being stymied by five, you know, down linemen and a a running back. Like that's, I am all about it, you know, playing those margins and taking some chances and getting a little bit more exotic and seeing what Taron Johnson as a blitzer, what Christian Benford can do in a special package, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we can see what the heck Terrell Bernard is worth as a player. Like there are some, you know, um, options on this defense that I don't think we have really taken advantage of. And as an aside, and we'll get to this when we talk about free agency, <clears throat> seeing how the Bears, and we'll, I know you want to talk about this, seeing how the Bears used Tremaine Edmonds in their defense, 
It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Because I have a hunch. That, that dude is used, yeah. So, But yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about is, is not just about stacking a defense with talent and then having them all play you know, uh, in prevent roles the whole game and hoping that somebody on the front four can overcome their one-on-one matchup um, to get a sack. That's not, that's not the strategy I think we're going to see enacted with McDermott calling the individual plays. I think we're going to see more, uh, more in-depth blitzing. I think we're going to see something I've loved about the McDermott defense that we saw in his first two years, but since Frazier has been the voice in the room for defense we haven't seen as much, is sugaring the A-gap. Yeah, you know, you have four down linemen, and then you stuff both of your inside your you know inside middle linebacker and your outside linebacker on either side of the center's face mask before the snap of the ball. That is like it's a nightmare. Like I at a very modest amateur level, I played you know offensive line. There is nothing more terrifying than seeing people that you know are much faster than you lined up stand up directly over your face because you're like, oh shit, like after this ball is snapped, I have many decisions and movements to make or I'm the reason this play gets blown up. Like that that strategy was used so often in McDermott's, you know, defenses in Carolina, and it was used sparingly when, you know, when McDermott and Frazier were together. And very little the last couple of years, and I'm not sure why. And I hope to see it come back because I think there's a, a value in it. And sure, you can get caught out of position a little bit, but it also can like really wreak havoc with the blocking scheme and and end up freeing one of those edge rushers or freeing a defensive tackle because um, there's a little bit of more mayhem and confusion on the inside. I, I have a hot take for you to close this out, and you can tell me if I'm uh, I'm right or wrong here. Sean McDermott is the best defensive coordinator in the AFC East right now. Whew. So you got Belichick yeah. in New England. Belichick. You've got um, Fangio, yep. right? And then Asala's not calling plays. Yeah, who's calling plays for, for who's calling plays for? Uh, I mean, he's involved with that scheme. Yeah, I don't remember who the D- DC is in the Jets, but um, I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. You look that up and I'll riff on it for a second. So, um, oof, I think it's it's hard for me to give Sean McDermott sharing duties between head coach and DC, the edge over Vic Fangio, because I think Fangio is an excellent DC, but um, I would say it's probably, they're probably a 1A, 1B. That'd be my, yeah. yeah okay, that's good. And it's Jeff Ulbrich heading into his second oh. season with the, the New Jersey Jets, which tells you right there that he wouldn't qualify for best because we didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's good. I'm so, I'm so, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, when we get into some of the mock draft stuff and some of the, the divisional preview for the season. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Fangio because he was all over that Philly scheme. His fingerprints were all over it in that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. And it was a lot of light boxes it was a lot of drop guys into coverage, and Mahomes and the way he has matured just absolutely picked that defense apart, took what was given to him, and that's a team that didn't make mistakes. I, I'm i not saying we're at a sea change in the NFL right now, but this is now like the third or fourth year that we're going in where the league, these league's offenses have seen two high shells. They've seen light boxes. And eventually someone is going to say, and it could be Belichick because he still wants to run these two tight end, these two tight end looks, but someone's eventually going to say, man, if we only got four or five guys in the box, why aren't we trying to run the ball a little bit more in early downs, right? With some efficiency. So I'm not saying that, that, that Fangio is a bad hire. I think he's a genius hire and he's going to do great things with that personnel. 
But I think a Frazier defense and a Fangio defense, when you're immediately starting at a, a deficit of the key of your defense is to rush four against yep. five or against six yep. and try to win that matchup and rely on your secondary to hold up in coverage enough against some of these elite playmakers that are in the AFC East. I, I think it's going to be an adjustment for Miami. He's a he's a huge step up, don't get me wrong, in yeah. coaching. And Miami might be the best coach team out there. But it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if Fangio does make any adjustments. I mean, I think this is why they signed David Long in Miami. Because yeah. that dude, if he can stay healthy, may be the best or one of the best run run-stopping linebackers in the league. Um, sneaky good signing by Miami. Mm-hmm. So that tells me, though, that they're going to play with a lot of light boxes. Yep. And we just signed Damian Harris. We still have James Cook. We've got Naheem Hines. We've invested in a lot of beef along the offensive line. Yep. It, I'm not saying we're taking... Hall. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, and then and then Belichick just wants to run the ball because yeah. he's got Mac Jones. Yes. <laughs> he's, yes. he's bringing a knife to a gunfight, so he just yeah. wants to run the ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I think they're 1-1A, one and one a, and that's no disrespect to Belichick, but I, I, there's just something that seems... I'll be interested to see how the Fangio defense fares. Well, and, and I also, also think that, you know, 1-1A one one is... It's it's disrespectful to Belichick a little bit, um, but I think that the disrespect for Belichick comes from the fact that when he's playing within the scope of the rules and not cheating, and he doesn't have Tom Brady stretching the leads <laughs> for every play every team he's playing against, right? Yeah. He has a pretty vanilla approach to defense, and the Bills have exploited it more than anybody. Oh yeah, <laughs> over the past three years to the to the juncture where like you know. Patriots fans, I hope they are feeling this way, are feeling a little bit like Bills fans over the drought era when you're just like, it's presumed that every time you match up with those guys, they're going to crush you because mm-hmm. they're just, you can't stop their their offense at all. And, and that's and that's something to be said because I think that um, Belichick is this brilliant defensive mind, but he I think that he is limited as a general manager. And that's, mm-hmm. that sets him back a little bit. I think yeah. that he, because he's the GM and the coach, and, and in a lot of ways the DC, a lot, oftentimes, I think he, you know, his failure to fill young talent on that team is a great reason why he's not, you know, not a one or one C. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'd go with that. I'd go with that for sure. So interesting to see what happens. The Bills also made some additions to the the coaching staff as well, bringing in Al Holcomb, who was the interim defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. He was calling plays when Steve Wilkes took on the interim head coach role there. A lot of guys like Holcomb. He's in his 50s. He's considered one of the bright, young defensive minds in the league. Very likely to challenge in the future for D.C. positions. Maybe in Buffalo, Frazier doesn't return. You know, and then we got a uh, we got a guy like Bobby Babich, Um on the coaching staff as well, who is highly regarded around the league as like a budding defensive savant, like a budding defensive genius. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see not just what McDermott does from a play calling perspective, but who's working with these position groups. Who is he leaning on in these positional group meetings? Who's coaching that actually coaching the defensive side of the ball in practice and things like that? Because you know McDermott is going to scheme. He's going to work with the staff on that. He's going to implement the play packages. He's going to do the play calling. But as you mentioned, as head coach, he's got other responsibilities he's got to attend to. So it'll be interesting to see, especially in um, in camp, 
Is it Holcomb? Is it Babbage? Is it a combination of both? Like, who is going to be the McDermott brain trust that he elevates now that he is taking on these play-calling responsibilities? And who are the people he's going to delegate responsibility to? Because that, I think, in and of itself, will lend us some clues and how some of this defensive personnel is going to be deployed. I think it's also worthy to mention Joe Dana, who they picked up from Houston. Houston, oh, yeah, yeah. Houston was a terrible, and they they replaced Jim Salgado, um, who sort of was unceremoniously fired. Um, and I think that Jim <laughs> Salgado was, I, I believe, unceremoniously fired, mostly because the young safeties on the team, when Hyde and Poyer each went down with injuries, did not look prepared for the task. Yeah, and I feel like they blamed it probably fifty percent on the players and fifty percent on Salgado for not getting him ready. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Joe Dana. You know, um, the sinking ship that was the Houston Texans was able to, you know, help coach a secondary group that gave up the fewest um, passing touchdowns, tie with the Jets, and uh, was top 10 in passing yards overall. So, like, he seemed to have been been a good good addition, and we'll see how he is. Um, or, yeah, f- I guess fifth fifth fewest yards, ninth fewest passing TDs in the, in the year prior. So, uh, Joe Dana might be cool. Probably not going to be part of that brain trust that you're talking about, though. But likely will be an improvement to the, uh, you know, to the position groups in the back end. Um, any other? I mean, the Chad Hall left the wide receivers coach. I'm not sure why. That was a kind of peculiar was a one. Yeah, peculiar departure. Because I think he left for the Jacksonville Jaguars wide Correct. receivers coach job. It was a lateral move to a different team in the AFC. So, um, not sure about that one. Uh, and did they replace him? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I've got their coaching staff items here pulled up right now. Let's see if, yep, Adam Henry is the new wide receivers coach. Okay. I think I read about him. He's got a little bit of a, he's got a storied college career, but has not. Oh, yeah. He, uh, coached OBJ at LSU. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. There's some changes. There's some, I'm curious about it, but I think at the very core, what all Bills fans should be considering is. We're going to probably see a different defensive attack, and that's exciting. That's what we asked for. Yep, that's right? what if everyone you, asked it's, for. And maybe there's an element of be careful what you wish for, but yes. Bills fans, Bills Mafia, you asked for yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear anybody in week four when we give up a couple long passing touchdowns while, while McDermott has a really saucy blitz dialed up. I don't want to hear, oh, I wish, I wish Frazier was back. He would never have let this happen. No, you sons of bitches. You asked for this. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's happening. <laughs> Just accept it. Um, so, yeah, so those are the major changes. I think that, you know, the real core of the story, though, before I got off on that tangent, is that um, McDermott's going to be calling plays. The defense is going to look a little different. They have some different bodies in the room in terms of um, position coaches and assistants there. And then on offense, we have year two doors, uh, and we have uh, a new wide receivers coach. And I think that, you know, everybody in Bill's Mafia that I talk to, and myself included, has the same opinion, which is, I don't care about, you know, who's calling plays. Can we please just have a meaningful offensive line that's capable of protecting Josh Allen for more than three seconds that's on a, a critical that's third down play? That's all well, I want. Well, and, you know, this this feels to me like a good transition to talk about free agency yeah. because the Buffalo Bills did address interior offensive line in particular um, in free agency, signing some depth pieces, signing a, a very probable starter in Connor McGovern. And it 
it, it is all bookended by the end of season press conference and then most recently at the owners meetings where Brandon Bean at first after the season was like alluding to the need to protect Josh but Josh also protect himself at the owners meetings he was basically begging Josh to change his running style mm-hmm. and I think that's fine but I also think then you need to give Josh an excuse to not run for his life on every play and fix the offensive line and invest some premium draft capital in that line. Now, what I will say that I liked about free agency is that we didn't go for the worn over veterans on like maybe their last hurrah type of contract like we did with Saffold last year. Being actually invested in some younger guys in their mid-20s that still have some upside and then maybe another short contract in them if they outplay the terms of their current deals. So I did like what Bean did here with the offensive line. But JJ, since this is your uh, your bread and butter, this is where you bu- butter your bread, so to speak, uh, the offensive line play, uh, do you want to kick us off with a little chat about Connor McGovern, probably the marquee offensive line signing for the Bills this offseason? Well, I... <laughs> I mean, if you're going to look just at the dollars and cents of it, he's the marquee signing end of end of article for the Buffalo Bills <laughs> this this free agent period. That's, that's it. You know, the, period. The period. Bills. The Bills. I put, actually... put Poe. I put yeah. Poe up. Well, there. I think yeah, Poe. I, I think Poe's the marquee signing. But he, I don't think he made more money than Connor McGovern. <laughs> actually, I think yeah. you're right. So the deal Poe came back on yeah. was crazy. So I think that you know we'll, we'll flip over to defense in a second. Talk about the Poe deal and, and rap and stuff like that. But all pro Poe. Can't yeah. wait to talk about that. Dude. I know. So <laughs> that, on the uh, but on the but Connor McGovern, it, it's interesting because I've watched a couple of his games. Um, he is pretty tenacious with with his anchor in pass protection. Um, he is not great in uh, run blocking. He tends to get kind of lost in the wash a little bit when he's when he's out in space. Yeah. Um, he he is an athlete. I think he matches what we've expected to see from the Buffalo Bills when they're looking for an offensive lineman. Is they're going to be pretty high on the relative athletic score, and he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he and David Edwards. Both are pretty solid in that regard. Um, yep. I, I mean, I for one just love the fact that you know they're 20, 25 and twenty six respectively, the two mm-hmm. guards that they signed, which is a, a departure from the Bobby Hart's and the you know Roger Saffolds and things like that that the Bills have been trying to get by with. It's nice to get somebody developmental and younger in their career who mm-hmm. we're not trying to capture the the what was. We're trying to build for what could be. Um, and so that's exciting. I think that Connor McGovern is an absolute upgrade at either guard spot in pass protection. And that is amazing yes. because more than uh, it's interesting. So the, there's two different, you know, of course there's two different facets of offensive blocking. It's, it's running, run blocking and pass blocking. Um, but when you talk about how much one individual effort can make a difference in pass blocking or run blocking, run blocking is the place for that. That's where mm-hmm. you can see Spencer Brown or Mitch Morse or Deion Dawkins wash like four guys out of a play because their body position is perfect and they're on the move and they're pushing somebody and they fall into somebody else and that sort of thing. Um, pass blocking is way more of the team sport and and way more might be an exaggeration, but pass blocking is about having that kind of preternatural sense to know where the gaps are too too wide and where they're too tight between you and the guy next to you without actually talking to or making eye contact with them or seeing what they're doing with their block. You just sort of feel. You feel where you are in space, where they are, and where your vulnerabilities are. 
and then it's all about like quick hands, quick body position. That's something that I think Conor McGovern really has going for him. Is like I said, he's got a great anchor. He tends to get bull rushed off the off the snap by much bigger, much more talented defensive tackles. Like you know, an Aaron Donald, for instance, is not probably going to blow him up without help on he's, the on Aaron the snap. Donald's but he's Aaron. Is yeah. gonna blow up everybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I get what you're saying, yeah. right? We got to see Bradley Chubb. We got to see yes. Christian Wilkins. Yes. We got to see. All of these, yeah, I get it. I he get what you're saying. I will tell the thing that I'll say about Connor McGovern that I like. He's going to get he's going to get punched in the mouth with that initial pop by any of those like high talent defensive tackles, but he's not going to be an immediate win like Roger Saffold was or like Ryan Bates has been on occasion. Ryan Bates had a better year than I think I gave him credit for during the year. He he was somewhat solid. I think he struggled because he had Spencer Brown next to him who played god awful. Mm-hmm. Similarly, I think that Dawkins and Morris both seem seem to have you know the, the talk is they had a down year. I think they were trying to cover up for Saffold so much that you know they they of course weren't able to play to their best because he was an absolute liability. And that's not Connor McGovern. I think he's a va- valuable to above average offensive starter on the line in pass protection and an average to below average run blocker. He was probably the fifth best starter on that Dallas Cowboys offensive line. I would argue that he is probably the second best <laughs> offensive lineman on the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, I, listen, I I like Dawkins. I feel like Dawkins is maybe one or two seasons away from shifting over to guard himself. Yeah. I just don't I just don't know how much how much pop off the edge he has anymore. You know, Bean has been defiant about Spencer Brown. It it makes me think one of two things. Either, like, we're all wrong about Spencer Brown and the Bills and their player development guys just are like, this is the year he's going to pop, <laughs> right? right? And just be patient and you guys are all going to eat shit when it's done. Yeah. Or I think he was probably more hurt than was reported during the course of the season. He was probably playing through some significant injuries. I'm going to venture, I guess it might be a combination of both because we know he had the back injury to start the season. Um, But that whole, the, the depth of the Buffalo Bills was offensive line or the lack thereof was just exposed. What felt like game after game after game as a result of injuries, the injury bug that bit that team. Um, I know it hit us in the secondary, but it hit us in the offensive line last season about as big as anywhere else. And the depth of that line or the lack thereof being what it was Brown maybe felt like he had to go out there and play through health circumstances that normally he wouldn't. Stuff that wouldn't get him necessarily on injured reserve, but maybe would make him a healthy scratch for a game or two if things were a little bit better along that line. Um, I felt the same way about Poyer, truth be told. I think Poyer played through just a ton of injuries last year when normally he wouldn't because of the lack of depth around him. Um, So, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's that. I don't know. But Bean and McDermott both seem to be ride or dies right now with Spencer Brown. And for me, I wouldn't hesitate to draft a rookie with a premium pick in the first three rounds to compete with that dude. Because at the end of the day, pride is one thing, results are another. Yep. You cannot have your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback getting crushed off the off the right edge and getting chased out of the pocket yeah. like he was last season. So, well, so it's so it's interesting. Yeah. It, it's interesting, and I think Morse is still good. Like Morse is probably still their yeah. best offensive lineman. But yeah. Well, and I, I can't like I have this feeling about Deion Dawkins. I know Deion Dawkins is a fan favorite, and maybe I'm going to make some enemies here, but I. Th- 
Deion Dawkins, the way Deion Dawkins plays, the way he interviews, and the way he like presents himself, I just keep thinking he is a person who was a hungry, hungry tackle, got that bag, and has like slacked on his work a little bit. Like he's immeasurably I, I, talented. I don't think that's wrong. Yeah, he's yeah. immeasurably talented. He can. Without without maximum effort, he's above average as a left tackle in this league. And that's where we live right now, is, is less than maximum effort from our massively paid left tackle, Deion Dawkins, who's a character, and you know I love the guy as a person, but I feel like he doesn't work as hard as he did before he got that huge contract. And it shows, or he's, or he's you know, he's, he's been an Iron Man mostly. COVID did him a number twice. It did. And, and so, yeah, I don't want to, like, cast aspersions on work ethic if it's mm-hmm. also just that he's still, like, working his way back. I know that that can be a thing with long COVID symptoms. Um, and so, you know, I hope to see a Deion Dawkins rejuvenate my my belief in him this year. And I think that, and it's always so tough because I think Deion Dawkins has looked bad when he's had bad guards next to him and has looked so much better when he has good guards. And again, I think it's because you cannot give up your inside gap and he's so worried about it that he gets beat around the edge because, you know, the, the pressure right, right inside the center's, you know, left shoulder is much more dangerous to Josh Allen than Deion Dawkins giving somebody a half, half-ass half shove to the outside and them looping around. So, yeah. yeah. You're but, bolstering my argument for why Connor McGovern yes. is all, already our second-best yes. starter yeah, yeah, on the yeah. offensive line. But to, just for a moment on Spencer Brown. You're right. They're so bullish on him, like making the the jump and being a quality starter. I mean, it's like they're watching different fucking games yeah. than we are. Like it's 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 pretty pronounced. It's yeah. It's I don't understand what they see that I'm not seeing unless unless it is an injury that that we don't realize. Like you had said, you know, yeah, was borderline keeping him putting him on IR for the rest of the season. But they had such terrible choices behind him that you know that he just stayed and was able to gut it out. Um, we'll see. I think this is the year though. I think that if you have a healthy Ryan Bates, um, David Edwards and Connor McGovern, and one of the three of them is next to Spencer Brown, he and he's healthy and he doesn't have another surgery or anything. And he makes the whole way through uh, training camp, you know, healthy. There is no more excuses. You've removed all the variables at that point and that's the make or break year. And I'm with you. Like I, people listening won't won't have seen it but the whole time you were talking about bringing in a young tackle i was just nodding my head enthusiastically like i was at a metal show because (laughs) we need that that is what is needed for this bill's offensive line more than anything is an infusion of high-end like young talent on rookie Mm -hmm. contracts we can't keep paying you know connor mcgovern who's likely a b b to c tier starter in the league how dare you disparage a number two <laughs> offensive lineman like that? Oh, I I will never take it back because a B to C starter is the number two best offensive lineman on this this right offense, now. right? Like, yeah. so that for and you're just making my point for me that we need young, cheap talent from That's the draft, right. from the top three rounds of the draft. At some point, one of them at least, just one tackle slash guard. Uh, in the top three rounds would just make my day. And I know it's not a great draft after the first 20 for elite, you know, offensive line talent, but there's got to be somebody who's an at least above average starter in those middle rounds. Yeah, I mean, 
and, and we'll talk about this when we get into the draft but drafting your if it's not a good if it's not going to be a spencer brown replacement then you at least got to start <laughs> thinking about dawkins because it, it was interesting i thought that they didn't restructure yeah. or extend dawkins because he's only got a couple of years left yeah. on his deal at this point um you know and you don't want to restructure all of your big contracts all at once they did digs so that you know now digs dead cap hit is like the gdp of latvia yeah. i think if we try to get yeah. rid of him so yeah. so you don't want to kick all your money down the road you want to have some bigger contracts to restructure and stagger that and bean's been a genius at that but i did find it interesting they didn't they didn't dip into that well with dawkins yeah. um or decide to extend him so it's uh, it'll be it's going to be interesting to see what happens next offseason with with dawkins and the salary cap situation that we're looking at but well but yeah um yeah go ahead you want oh, to add one i more was thing? just gonna say no, no nothing else about dawkins in the line but i did want to you know maybe it's this point in time where we just hit very quickly just for the you know the, the cost, literal cost of doing business all the restructures that the bills did go you know take take because they came into free agency before we kind of set the you know, talk about free agency, which set the stage. The Bills came into free agency about 22 or $24 million over the set, yeah. the NFL salary cap. They needed to get that down in early March, and they did so by restructuring Josh Allen, kicking the can down the road, turning some of his guaranteed money into bonus, and they saved $21.14 million. Mm-hmm. And then they told Naheem Hines that he was going to get cut unless he took a pay cut. And his so he rest- took one. Yeah, so he took one. Thankfully, his restructure is one point three. I really like him as a kick returner, and I think he offers something on offense. I'd like to see another year with him in the system. Um, they went ahead, like you mentioned, and changed Stefan Diggs' uh, contract a little bit to give to give themselves five point four million. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that makes his dead cap massive. Von Miller, same. They made sure that he's going to be there for you know all three of his three guaranteed years. Yeah. And we'll have more dead cap if they if they cut him at that point and save ten point six. Tim Settle, similar thing to Naeem Hines, took a pay cut to stay. Uh, they said we're going to cut you if you don't, you know, take it. So they ch- saved a chip of six hundred grand. Uh, and then Matt Milano, this one I think is is very nice. Um, they did a two year extension. Essentially, they they didn't add, add any actual years to the contract as mm-hmm. it was written. He had two years of void years on his contract. And they turned those void years instead of make-believe years into real years. Real years, right. And so they were able to like provide him some secure, financial security and save some cap room on his you know 2023 uh, salary earnings uh, by paying him up front and making him last more. You know He's on the roster longer at this point, which I think is great. I think that they saw the writing on the wall that Tremaine Edmonds was going to end up getting the bag and walking. And they wanted to keep at least one half of their great linebacker duo in place. Yep. And and I I like that as well. I thought that was I thought it was a a solid move by the bills. I mean, it Milano is our Bobby Boucher. I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, but that dude is just a heat seeking missile in and around the ball. And he, he's had some injuries, but, but nothing that would preclude us. I think from thinking that, he is going to remain relatively healthy through the end of this contract. And that's always the thing that you want to keep in mind when you extend guys or when you when you kick money down the road is, are you going to be taking on the full financial burden of a lot of these kicked contracts, a lot of these restructured deals, when that player is no longer productive? That's why I found it very interesting they didn't dip into that well with, with Dawkins or talk about a, a, an extension with Dawkins because... I don't know that they necessarily feel confident right now 
that Dawkins is going to be productive through the end of a two-year extension, or that he's going to be worth the money at kicking some of his salary down the road a little bit. Um, it, it, I, I think, and we'll talk about this when we talk about season storylines, I think Dawkins is going to be a fascinating storyline to watch heading into the season. And not just how he plays, but how the organization is reacting to to what they see with him. Even if he has an improved year, if it's not a career year, it's not looking like it was what, what he was producing at a high level. Yeah, yeah I think the draft is going to tell you a lot about what they think more about Dawkins than what they think about Brown. Because obviously they think Brown is like freaking the next great tackle in this league. So uh, if, if they do go tackle in the first three rounds... I think it tells you where they think Dawkins is at at this yeah. stage in his career, for sure. Well, and especially if that tackle has a you know really fast feet and is more athletic and is more like the the prototype left tackle for a right-handed quarterback, then yeah, I think that that might yeah. be. Oh, he's just going to be our swing tackle. <laughs> Dawkins is Matt, you know, yeah. hitting the bricks after two years or a year. Yep, yeah. Matt Bergeron right down the road yeah, at uh, it's SU man. Yeah. I want that dude. Yeah. I want that guy. Give me that guy. <laughs> All right, I don't want to talk draft yet because we got more free agency to talk. So, JJ, offensive line was a big, big focal point for Bills fans' ire at the end of the season, as was the wide receiver room. So, Stefan Diggs had another great year, uh, massive target share. We talked about that throughout the course of the season, just the amount of targets that Diggs was getting in comparison to the season prior to that. Um, We thought McKenzie would flash a little bit more. He didn't. Gabe Davis, after his four TD game in the 13th second game against yeah. Kansas City, thought he was going to have yeah. a breakout season. He ended up being kind of a bust all yeah. the way around. Um, maybe the most overdrafted person in fantasy football to start the season last year, and all of those owners were, were, were quite frankly devastated with his lack of output throughout the course of the year. So wide receiver room is something the Bills knew they needed to address, but JJ, this was a week, this was a very weak wide receiver free agent market when it came to looking for a a solid number two opposite of Diggs, opposite of our ex. Davis did not prove that he could be a snap-to-snap, down-to-down guy in that role. There just wasn't a lot of guys on the free agent market. So the Bills do what they do. They tended to their depth, and they gave themselves some, some gadgety, maybe speedy options in the slot, and again, went young. Last year, we had the corpses of Cole Beasley and John Brown back in the wide receiver room after they had basically been cast off by other teams in the league. Again, this time around, and this is what I like what I'm seeing from Bean, actually signing some younger guys in their early to mid-20s that still have some upside potentially beyond this deal. So the two two marquee guys that the, the Bills brought in here to add depth to the wide receiver room were Deonta Hardy and Trent Sherfield. Um, or Sherfeld, the guy who we know from the Miami Dolphins, our our divisional rival. Both have special teams uh, chops. Um, a lot of people are are thinking that uh, Hardy is going to get some re- potential return opportunities, um, which I, he's been an all-pro punt returner, despite the fact of having nine muffed punts throughout the course of his career. But I think he's going to be a super interesting one. And then, of course, Sherfeld is, you know, He's a special teams maven with a lot of speed. And JJ, those are two things that I think these guys have in common. They're young, they're fast, and I'll add a third is that they can catch the ball, which was another problem for this Bills wide receiver room. Even with Diggs last year, Diggs had his highest drop rate 
um, of his career last year um, in a Bills uniform. So these are a couple of sure-handed guys. Hardy, despite the punt muffs, is very sure-handed, very sure-handed when running routes. Um, what do you think of these two signings? Obviously, I think I think there's more work to be done in this room because yeah. we still need a a true number two beyond Diggs. But what do you think of the options the Bills have added to offense here? Yeah, I mean, I I will always take a young, fast receiver over a fast, old receiver who hasn't been productive like John Brown or a small, not fast, no longer productive receiver like Cole Beasley. Like, I like those guys. I like those guys as they had been in their Bills career, but they have passed that that barrier. They've passed that wall into, you know, they no longer have the same kind of pop. They can no longer offer the same kind of competitiveness. And so I really like these two signings. I think they're good depth signings. I agree with you that I think it's pretty critical that this this Bills team, whether it's a draft day trade for um, D Hop or you know somebody in the top few rounds, um, I, I'll, we can talk draft a lot more. But I have this like strong fear that the top three picks in the Bills draft are all defensive players. And there's been a couple of mocks yeah, that have looked like that post. And we don't we don't get crazy. a tackle slash guard or a new you know left tackle heir apparent or swing tackle or we don't get a wide receiver or tight end in the first few rounds. Like I'd be really disappointed because. Um, I do think that you're right. They need a bona fide number two receiver who really threatens, you know, the the defense a la how Hill and Waddle are in Miami. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of Miami fans were really upset to have Sherfield walk because when defenses started planning to take away Hill and Waddle, Sherfield was eating and he was doing, he was looking good. For sure. He's a fast player. He's got good hands like you mentioned. He, uh, in the first Bills meeting, was the reason that they had the, the butt punt. Um, yep. And so he was a personal yeah. protector, and I, I blame the punter more than, than him. He's in tight spaces back there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I like that guy. He was the best blocking wide receiver on their entire team, and so I like to see him bring that to the Bills. And I think it's probable that we let uh, – did they already let Kumaro walk? Oh yeah, they let Kumaro yeah. walk. He's a future. He's a future New Jersey Jet going yeah. to join his boy oh, uh, yeah. A Rod. <laughs> yes, yeah. So with Kumaro walking, they really have they've upgraded his position because Sherfield offers all the same stuff Kumaro did on special teams, but plus he is as good, if not better, of a run blocker, and he can be a threat in the passing game. Can more. play real yeah. meaningful snaps, and, and yes. that I th- I like Kumro just fine. But Kumro's issue was he was not a separator. I think Sherfield has separation ability a oh, little yeah. bit more because he's Way just more, more of an athlete. Runner. Yes, yeah. just so. and, and I like what the Bills are going for with that. And I agree. I, I want to talk draft so bad next week. I can't <laughs> wait because there's you know there's mixed opinions about this wide receiver class, and that there's not a lot of big guys. There's a lot of small gadgety guys. So there's not a lot of big traditional yeah. uh what guys that you would think like is the number Julio two. jones type exactly yeah. exactly there's a you know quentin johnson from tcu is probably the closest thing we got to that at perry might be in striking distance for the bills out of yeah. wake forest he's another big solid route runner um brings some size to the table but man there are some really tiny fast dudes in here with really good hands that i would love to see in this offense so it, it but i definitely think that Love the additions of Hardy and Sherfield to the mix here, yep. but I don't think it precludes the Bills drafting to either to a guy that's got outside inside um, versatility. Like you know, I like 
Khalil Shakir a ton. We talked about Shakir a lot last season. Um, we both had a chance to see Shakir live in a couple of games, and mm-hmm. his ability to get quick separation. He's a clean route runner. Um, has to work on his his you know point of catch, but was a yak master for the Bills last season, comparative to the other guys in that room. Yep. We both like Shakir, but the reality is, is like Shakir's a fifth round pick. Yep. There's no reason why the Bills couldn't bring a bring in a guy like Jordan Addison with outside inside versatility and and do some fun things with Shakir and with Addison or another wide receiver addition. Um, I would like to see Gabe Davis potentially if they can get uh, another bona fide number two in this draft. I'd love to see Gabe Davis play some power slot a la Akeem, ne- Akeem Hicks, who is a guy who you and I talked about was drafted by the Giants. I would love to see him in some of those like running situations out there in a power slot situation, just pasting guys up the middle because Davis is a really good run blocker. Um, and it would other and it would give the Bills, I think, a little bit of deception in their run packages that they just didn't have this year. They played a bunch of jumbo sets they played a bunch of heavy sets to run the ball because it's the only way they could get some push if you've got you could run feasibly some really creative stuff with both Sherfield and davis playing some sort of quirky power slot role Mm -hmm. in a three wide receiver set that you could actually run effectively out of there's dude dude there's some cool options that the bills have if they can if they can just get one more piece to that wide receiver room, yep. like a like a Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, yeah. who is just vice grips for hands, rockets on his feet. That dude can run, he can catch, and you've got to respect his ability to take the top off of a defense. So that there is, they are like, yeah. dude, they are one one wide receiver away from this room being really really special, really dangerous. And really dangerous. Well, and, and Jalen Hyatt's awesome, but you got to spend twenty seven, and if you want Jalen Hyatt, you maybe. I, I, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. It's uh, well, uh, we're going to talk about yeah, this yeah. in the draft, yeah. right? But Hyatt, because he didn't run a sub four yeah. four four forty, people are like, "Well, is he st- is he slow oh, now?" Gosh. No, watch that game. Watch that dude's tape. Yeah. He plays so freaking fast. Yeah. <laughs> that kid's ridiculous. He's got to polish the route running a little bit, yeah. but. That's a dude Josh is never going to outthrow. I just I want to talk about the draft, know, but we got to get okay. to the defensive yeah. side of the ball on well, this because we're still still talking free agency. <laughs> yeah, and I'll finish. <laughs> I'll finish um, the offensive side of free agency. Um, Deontay Hardy. Uh, many people might know him if you like play Madden or pay attention to the league or you know fantasy football. He used to be Deontay Harris. He mm-hmm. actually took his uh, his adopted father's his stepfather's name, stepdad's name, yeah, yeah. Um, and changed his name, which I you know. Super nice character move, really confusing to a lot of people. But um, he uh, he looked excellent two years ago. Last year was shortened by injury, um, and so I'm really hoping that he comes back super healthy and uh, and can turn things on because he's is as quick as lightning, has really good hands, and is one of the rare small guys who can also be a vertical threat. And so I really like that. Um, and then Damian Harris, the running back from New England, who you know had that 70-yard touchdown or whatever in the wind game that the Bills lost, uh, has been beating up on the Bills for a few years now as a powerful between-the-tackles runner. He is he's joined the Bills on a one-year, $1.7 or $7 million uh, minimum vet deal, which is excellent money for that mm-hmm. you know that kind of value. So we're looking forward to him. Uh, and then finally, Kyle Allen on the offensive side replaced. Um, the uh, sorry, I'm blanking on uh, Case Keenum. 
Chris Keenum. Kyle Allen, Josh Allen's best friend for a long time now in terms of quarterback offseason hanging out. Um, he joined the uh, the Bills as their backup QB for one year, $1.2 million, you know, like a minimum mm-hmm. deal again. I think that's Just a, enough to caddy yeah. for Josh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is. He's also his caddy when Josh is at Masters tournaments and things like right. that and Pro-Ams. Um, so Kyle Allen, it's a fine choice. I think that, you know, really it's a, it's a nod to the fact that the season is lost if we lose Josh Allen. So, um, and they just probably are like, well, you got the same jersey, so maybe they just won't know and just we'll stick you out there and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get by on, on looks alone. Uh, yeah. I hear Aaron yeah. Rodgers is available. Yeah. If right. that happens. Jeez. <laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of, you know, those, those are the major offensive signings. Um, bills have not signed any defensive talent from another team other than Taylor Rapp, uh, who is a safety from the, uh, Los Angeles LA Rams Williams. won a yep. Super Bowl, had a down year last year. Um, but was able to, um, you know, was able to come over to the Bills, and I think that's a surprising signing because he actually did not sign for very much money at all, and was largely seen as like a middle to upper middle tier starting safety in the league mm-hmm. when he entered free agency. And so, you know, most of the Bills' work on defense has been re-signings, and we can yep. talk about those. Um, but Taylor Rapp was the only one they got from ex- ex- outside the building, and uh, I'm very excited. I'm really excited about that one. But where do you want to start I, on defense? Well, I mean, I, we've already alluded to Jordan Poyer, right? But I, I think to to finish the conversation on Rapp, being that he is the only the only new new addition to this defense, um, it it tells you everything that you, like they lost Jock Johnson in free agency um, because he just he. It, it, kid didn't pan out right i think he went to las vegas he's on a one-year deal with the raiders or something like that they needed to add depth at safety they've got two great safeties in poyer and hyde hyde is coming off spinal fusion surgery yeah. and poyer is coming off his most injured season so they needed a reliable veteran presence to serve as a depth option also not knowing whether or not demar hamlin will be cleared to play um at the start of the season as well um and we all know hamlin's incredible story and yep. and the tragedy and then the triumph that came from that um so they needed to add some re- reliability we talk about this all the time the ability to raise the floor with your depth options right you it's nice if you can find a high ceiling guy in there sometimes but ultimately with your depth you're just raising the floor and rep really does raise the floor and i think if poyer and hyde stay healthy he gives McDermott some really interesting options in dime sets. So like those third and six, third and seven, maybe some clear, the really clear passing downs where the Bills are just going to be tempted to drop everybody into coverage as they typically do, 15 yards off the ball. Now all of a sudden you see a guy like Taylor Rapp who is okay in coverage. He's average in coverage, but he's really good at attacking the line of scrimmage. You see him come off an exotic dime blitz package every now and then. He gives you a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop off the edge. I could see McDermott using him as a little bit of a chess piece in some of those lighter defensive sets when it's an obvious passing down. So I think I think we could see Rapp play some meaningful snaps, not as a starter barring injury, but I think we could see him really used and prioritized and get some specific sub packages into the game plan for himself. So I like Rapp. And that's a dude who, again, if he proves himself, 
I could see them signing again to another deal beyond this season. This is kind of an earn it contract for Rap. So he's going to get an opportunity to play, and and we're going to see what he can bring to the table. But yeah, I'm excited for those those depth additions there. And then of course, Jordan Poyer, All Pro Po, yep. the marquee defensive signing for this team, re-signing of this team. It, it and it was interesting how the bottom fell out of the safety market after Jesse Bates. Like I saw lots of projections on like over the cap and spot track and all this stuff about what Rap might get, what Poyer might get. Poyer was out there looking for eleven million a year. I think I saw Rap as high as like seven or eight million a year, and they ended up signing both of those guys for like a combined seven mil yep. guaranteed, yep. right? So it was interesting how that worked out. But all pro po back in the building. The Bills thirteen and one last season when Poyer played. Again, coming off his most injury-riddled season, it looked like he was just strapping it up as much as he could, knowing that the team needed him out there. But I'm very excited to see Poyer after a full se- a full off season of rest and healing, Hyde hopefully coming back to his prime form. I am looking forward to seeing the best safety tandem in the league potentially returned uh, return to their their stomping grounds at Highmark Stadium this season. So the Poyer signing was was fortuitous for us because you and i both thought he was gone yeah and he was lobbying to go to miami to play opposite javon holland he just wanted to play in warm weather he loves florida he lives there so and not state income tax (laughs) and no state income tax that was his tweet new york state income tax still sucks but i'm back baby (laughs) so yeah so it's great to have poe back in the building the bills outside of edmonds jj are and depending on what they do with ed oliver they're gonna return 10 of 11 defensive yeah. starters yep. to the unit this season the only one they lost and it's a notable loss and probably the the only other free agent bit worth talking about the loss of tremaine edmonds signing a mac daddy deal yeah. with the chicago bears hold for up. hold on hold up you said that the that like the only thing remaining notable to talk about the buffalo the bills extended sam martin the punter for three years my friend Hunting. I said defense. We have not even gotten into <laughs> special right, fine, teams fine, yet, fine. my friend. But yeah. No, no, no. Sam, we have actually dedicated, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, another 45 minutes just talking about Sam Martin's deal and what it means for, yeah. for capitalization. We're going to pick it apart by his directional punting <laughs> versus his average hang time and depth of uh, snap. So it's going to be great. Right. It's, it's an incentive-weighted package. Yeah, yeah, Can't exactly. wait. Can't wait. But yeah, it's, we, we got to talk about Edmonds, right? Because yeah, yes. that's the dude who... He had his best. He's a nice player. He was yep. a really good player last year for the Bills. People are going to miss re- him as much as it, they talk it, crap. They're going to yeah. miss him. They're going to yeah. miss him, and here and they're going to miss him once they see how I think Chicago is going to yes. use him. So his average annual value contract is eighteen million a year. That's more than guys like Fred Warner or Roquan Smith. So that's not middle linebacker stick in coverage and like swat balls money yeah that's sack the qb money my yep. friend and you and i talked about this about Edmonds coming out of the draft you had this amazing analogy use him as a sword not a shield the chicago bears signed multiple linebackers this season they signed the the guy out of uh philly i can't remember his name off the top of my head um i'm not gonna remember it uh but you know they've got a they basically signed like four guys to replace Roquan Smith, right? But when you're rolling out that many linebackers, again, another devalued position, you get a guy with Edmund's skill set, with his speed, with his ferocity at the line of scrimmage. I think Eberflus 
is going to choose to use admins and passing situations and nickel packages is a edge rusher, which is something that you and I talked about. Um, the Bills needing to do more, take advantage of that skill set, that speed, that ferocity, and just let him run straight into the line of scrimmage. Um, it's something that Frazier and McDermott did not deploy often with Edmonds in the lineup. I think just by virtue of the contract, to even ch- Chicago to even justify paying a linebacker that type of money, they're going to need to see some pass rush production out of him. So I think Edmonds is in a great situation for him. We're going to miss him. He was great for the Bills. But he's in a great situation in that it looks like Chicago is actually going to use his the totality of his skill set, yeah. which is what the Bills never did. Well, it was TJ Edwards as the Philly TJ Edwards, Philly yeah, another so, good one. Yeah, TJ I mean, Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, and you're in the middle of your defense. Are that's You can do far, far worse than those yeah. two holding down the center because they've both played leadership roles in defenses that were top, you know, top of the top of the league defenses. So I agree. I think that it's probably, you know, the early rumblings out of, out of Chicago about Tremaine Edmonds is, is very much that he was, he was cast in a role that didn't take advantage of all of his talent and that they are looking forward to seeing what he can do in this next iteration of his career. I'm here for it. You know, any, unless the Chicago bears are playing, against the Bills, I'm rooting for Tremaine Edmonds to have an excellent, excellent career. And I I could feel good about him succeeding elsewhere without feeling bad about the Bills letting him walk because it's just the reality of the league. You cannot keep every talented player you have with a salary cap. You know, in the world of salary cap, there's going to be sacrifices to make. And 100% out of, uh, of the time, I'm going to sacrifice paying Tremaine Edmonds to have Josh Allen on a massive contract. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Ten times out of ten, yep. you're going to make that deal for sure. So, yeah. So, so otherwise, the Buffalo Bills uh, defense returning many of their starters from last season. Resigned Jordan Phillips as yep. well. Um, Daquan Jones going to be back. Ed Oliver. We'll see what happens with Ed Oliver. It, rumor has it he is on the trade block. Rumor also has it, depending on what websites and, and uh, national national outlets you read that there are some teams willing to give a day two pick for Ed Oliver and take that 10.5 million wow. cap hit off of our books, which um, I would take. But, <laughs> yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. If you, if being, you could fill that yeah, hole though. Yeah. Being, being again, being again though, is talking about long-term extension with Oliver, which is fine. But again, if you're Brandon Bean, then you need to draft an actual one tech. Yep. You can't put, like I see some mocks that have Brian uh, Brian Breesy yeah. um, from Clemson yes. coming to us. Yeah. That dude is like two ninety soaking wet, yeah. and you're not going to put that dude in the one tech next no. to Oliver. Nope. You're just going to get lit up up the middle, yep. right? So you got if you're fine, sign Oliver. You and I both like his his athletic skill set. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. But then draft a one tech, an actual one tech to play next to that dude. Draft somebody the size of Daquan Jones, but younger. Right, that's yeah. younger yeah. than Daquan Jones, right? Yeah. So yeah. So but all of that is is draft talk that we can get to. So overall, JJ, I think the highlights of free agency, absolutely the defense, yep. basically getting the band back together for one more run with hopefully some creative play calling out of Sean McDermott this season, this yep. go around. The offense adds some really nice pieces along the offensive line. Youth, speed catching ability in the wide receiver room yep. for once <laughs> and for the first time in a long time for the Buffalo Bills. 
um, and some where you could see and some options where you could see both McDermott as a defensive play caller and Dorsey as a second year offensive play caller use some of these pieces for positional creativity. And I think it telegraphs their hand with what they're going to go for in the draft pretty clearly at this point yeah. as well. I think their draft needs at this point are pretty, pretty clear. They still want to address offensive line. They're going to at some point probably address edge because word on Von Miller is that yep. he might not be back till Thanksgiving, if that, given the nature of his recovery. Um, wide receiver is another one. It wide receiver slash pass catcher i would take yeah. i would take a i would take a dalton kincaid or somebody tight like end. that as a reliable yeah. tight end yeah but but overall if i were to sum up the buffalo bills free agency roundup i would say it's exactly what being advertised no splash moves but exactly the type of high upside moves that you would expect a team to, to take they've raised yep. their floor yet again right um they've added a lot of really good depth and if one or two of these guys they catch lightning in a bottle with it's going to be a very good year for the bills so again being doing what he does setting the team up for success and limiting holes on the roster yep. heading into the draft it was a very brandon bean offseason. Yes. but i but i will say it was uh less brandon bean than previous off seasons in terms of signing young higher upside higher athleticism yes. talent than he has a nice adjustment and i think it's, it's interesting because i wonder if it's it's the trend shift that we're seeing is that this team has moved into a different phase of its process to where they don't need veteran leaders in the room coming in via free agency they're building their home growing them so they can yep. bring in younger talent exactly who will already have that leadership and that the backbone of backbone of how it's done um, yeah. to lean on without having to like really look for character guys to set the tone. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. It, it's a, it's a testament to the culture build that McDermott yep. and Bean have, have really put into place there. It really is. Cause you've got Hyde Poyer as the leaders on that side of the ball. Allen has grown into this role. Diggs, it did listen man all that offseason nonsense about Diggs getting traded oh not wanting God. to be in buffalo yeah. that dude no way that dude i want that dude at my team 10 times out of 10 well, that's a dude i want and all that stuff like when people are like oh he deleted the stuff the football stuff off of his social media he who took the cares? who cares like that he most players do that every offseason to like rinse rinse their mouth out from the taste of a losing season unless you're the super bowl winners like your banner photo is not going to be you and in a win in an unsuccessful season where you didn't become Absolutely. a champion, like whatever, like seriously, it's nothing. It doesn't matter. Social media doesn't mean anything. When my daughter beats me in Mario Kart, I delete all of her pictures yeah. off of my Instagram just to cleanse the palate a little bit and absorb the loss. You've given that reference before, and every time it's troubling. <laughs> oh, have I? Yes. Have I? Have I talked? Have yeah. I talked about like getting rid of my purging, daughter from my social purging media your children, your children <laughs> from, from my your social media when they upset you? Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a reasonable response. Okay, <laughs> you've I, met them. I, they're they're lovely, um, but <laughs> they also don't listen to this pod, so I'm yeah, not worried. No, no, I'm not. I'm not worried either. Um, and to call it borderline child abuse would be exaggeration because I don't even have kids, so I don't know. That's right. Now, if anyone here is listening and you want to define child abuse and let me know yes. if I am actually carrying that by out. deleting photos of them from my social media and essentially Please let us know. protecting their like actual privacy. In the, in the, That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Protecting their identity. That's go. right. That's right. Child services. Oh my gosh. We are in a hole. So um, <laughs> anyway, 
the some of the re-signings just to kind of like again you know this is a business the business of the pod is making sure you're aware so david questenberry resigns tyler medikevich you know linebacker depth and special teams guy resigns tyrell dodson who might have a play at the starting linebacker role if they can't fill in the draft not if we get jack campbell oh my gosh you want jack campbell i want uh, drew saunders we're both you know Drew, I no, I like Drew Saunders. Dude, we we need to talk yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. I like Drew Saunders. He's a, we just had Drew yeah. a better Drew Saunders <laughs> yeah. and Tremaine Edmonds, yeah, and we yeah. saw how this team used yeah. him. He's a lump of right? slate coverage guy. Yeah, just go for go for the prototype, yeah. right? Just go, yeah. if you just want a coverage middle linebacker, just draft a coverage yeah. middle linebacker yeah. for the love of God. Well, and and like you know, I know this is jumping ahead, but I'll take the guy who's been. I'll also happily take the guy who's been coached up by Luke Keekley. That's just... Yes. Yeah. Um, the Bills on defense also re-signed Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis to no one's pleasure. Um, and, again, Jordan But it's Elam's job. They're good depth. Yeah, that's we, good. Dude, that's good depth. Yeah. That's good depth in the secondary. But we really, really... like I. If anybody out there is hoping to see Dane Jackson while Kyrie Elam and... Um, and Trey Day are healthy. I don't. I don't know what kind of Bills fan you are. Like we have to see Elam and Tre'Davious like lock down those outside yes. jobs with Taron Johnson in the slot, and that's an excellent three pair or, or three trio of CBs yep. to have on the front line. Get a healthy Christian yes. Benford back, right? Yep. And some yeah, and some sub packages. Taylor Rout, who we talked about, how yep. he could be used in dime sets. Safeties, yeah. Yep. It's a. It's a. Fun, it's a fun mix of defensive backs that the Buffalo Bills have to play with this year. For sure. Yeah, so, I mean, anything else we need to talk about with free agency before we move on to next next week's draft expose? Uh, Sam Martin? No, I'm just playing. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've already made that joke this pod, but I, I am pleased. I mean, I'll, if I, Sam Martin, if you're listening, welcome back, buddy. I, I, I'm just happy we have a reliable, professional punter <laughs> in the building. Like, that's... That's it. Sam yeah. Martin jokes for you are like kids' jokes for me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we both have our go-to. We have where our, our bread is buttered. That's where, where we butter our bread. I like it. That's right. Oh, it's just awesome, felt man. good, man, to get back to uh, to talking and uh, and chatting. Bill's Bill's uh, Bill's team building. Uh, what do we call it? We used to call it Madden GM mode. Madden GM mode, but yep. mu- much less maddening yes. this year. Um, and it was a lot more like reasonable adult, non-emotional moves, which I was very proud to see out of being. It's too late on a weekday for me to have puns, but I appreciate that you do. <laughs> I, 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 try, I try to bring what I can to the table, I like my friend. It, I like it. Yep. So yeah, so next week we'll talk draft. Week after we'll do our AFC East mock draft extravaganza with all of our our featured guests are Dolphins fans, Patriots fans, and Jets fans. Um, and then we'll do our draft breakdown here heading from April into May, my friend. We are we are approaching football season here. Yep. We really are. It's excited to be back in it. For sure. Absolutely. Cool. So for those of you listening at home, it, like, share, and subscribe. Do not call child services wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, and Spotify. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills.